views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. The Pet Buzz gives you the latest 411 on everything pet related. Everything pet related. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic, Dynamic pet, pet Duo. This week on the Pet Buzz, we're discussing pet theft awareness tips. February is Healthy Heart Month, so we want to help you care for your pet's heart. President's Day inspired us to learn more about the pets of presidents. Who is the king of the dogs? Find out more about the winner of the Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show. Good morning. I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. You're listening to The Pet Buzz, the ultimate in pet talk radio, where we want to help you take better care of your pets. We welcome our listeners who tune in each week from around the world. So how's everybody doing this week, Dr. Fleck? Doing great. I'm doing all right. Yeah, you know, I've been away in New York, as everybody knows. I went to the Westminster Kennel Club dog show. And when I was on the plane, I was thinking, what the first thing I was going to do when I come back in the house? Eat. No. Oh. Wash the floor, because Dr. Fleck, you hadn't washed the floor in five days. I vacuumed. I, well, that was good. But with Hannah and BJ shedding, it's like a time that we had to clean and the floor. And I was exhausted from vacuuming. I bet you oh, were. And now goodness. you know I vacuum three times a day. <laughs> Let's kick off the show with some celebrity pet news. Okay, so Valentine's Day came early for Hillary Duff. Remember Hillary Duff from yep. back in the day? She was a singer. Well, her boyfriend, Matthew Coma, gifted her with Ivan the alpaca. Now, I didn't know people were gifting people with alpaca. So it says, Ivan will stay on the alpaca farm with friends until the couple are ready to be farm people. Of course, I had to find out all about alpacas. So let me know if, you, if you've heard this. Do you know that they make good pets because they're easy to look at? After. They're intelligent, easy to train, get along with other pets, and are neat and tidy. Hmm. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah. What about you, Nate? I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Well, the bonus is they can also mow your lawn. Mm-hmm. So maybe if we got some alpacas, we we wouldn't need Marty. Mm-hmm. Marty, mm-hmm. the lawn guy. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, there are expenses like any other pet, such as food, water, vet care, vaccinations, deworming, routine toenail trimming, and annual shearing. Mm-hmm. Huh. I wonder, you know, if, I wonder if they have hoofs rather than toes. No, I, I they have toes because they have to have toenail trimming. I looked it up. Oh, okay. But then do you need an alpaca vet? And I wonder how much an alpaca is. I, I wouldn't go treat the alpaca. I don't know anything I don't know. about I, them. I would guess whatever it costs is too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, on a, on a celebrity note, let's move forward with our global news block. And now, Pet Buzz news from around the globe. So King, the wire-haired fox terrier, is now king of the dogs. Yay. The winner of the 143rd Westminster Kennel Club dog show is seven years old, and he was shown by professional Gabriel Rangel. This is Gabriel's third Westminster win. He first won with Sadie the Scottish Terrier, then Sky, owned by Tori Steele, and then Victor Malzoni. And then Victor, once again, owns King. When I asked Wrangle the night before about being chosen for the third time, he told me that once his name was said and the dog was picked, he didn't even think about the number of times he won Westminster. He just said, and he said this to me with tears in his eyes, he said he just thought of how Peter Green, the best in show judge, who 
we all know in the dog world is one of the greatest dog handlers mm -hmm. ever. And if you remember, Mike, we mm -hmm. interviewed Peter Green about two years ago on the show before Westminster. Mm -hmm. And he said that Peter has been truly to, a mentor to so many of us. And it was an honor to be chosen by him. And I, I really, because this is so important to me, I really want to thank Gabriel personally for recognizing Peter and, and those people who have come before him who have showed us how to be giants mm -hmm. and how to and how to move on and thank them for all of the things that they taught us. Mm -hmm. So Dr. Fleck, what what do you think? Well, I think that I need to ask you this. I okay. Mean, I love Gabriel. I thought his his dog King deserved to be the winner. Mm -hmm. But was that your choice? No. What was your choice? I love Gabriel and he'll probably be on the show next week. You know, I really wanted to see a different dog. I kind of liked the Dachshund. Me too. It was that was such a ham. He was such a ham. He was so beautiful. What a great show dog. But we just knew that Gabriel was going to be able to show that dog and the He showed, the, he showed him the out. The quality of that dog was just incredible. Deserved to be the winner. But my fave was the doxy, the long-haired yeah. doxy, too. But you know what I'll tell you with the greatest thing about Gabriel's win? I want to post some pictures of the whole team, which Gabriel and his wife, Yvonne, who I love dearly, and their kids. It's so nice to see them from year to year, from, yep. from one win after another, and how they're growing up so nicely. And what recognize their real people that right. are winning exactly. these huge events. That, exactly. And, and you know, Gabriel is, you know, we always talk about these great immigrants. Great, Gabriel is a great immigrant story. Yes. You know, he came with very little money Absolutely. in his pocket and now he's one of the world's, the world's top handlers. Okay. So let's move forward because we're going to have Gabriel here next week on the show. So Dr. Fleck, what, what, what's up? So I up? get to talk next? Yeah. How about, do. how about talking about Tesla? Oh, we like Tesla. Okay. Uh, so Tesla officially introduced a new feature on Thursday called Dog mode. Okay. That aims to keep owners' pets comfortable while left unattended in a vehicle. That's important. Mm-hmm. So dog mode keeps climate control on while the car is parked and also includes a display screen, which is really cool, with the temperature so that people passing by can see that the owner's pets are safe. That's good. That's really good, I think. The electric car maker showed off dog mode in a tweet earlier Thursday. It's one of the several software updates the company is introducing that focuses on improving safety and security. To enable dog mode, owners will tap on a fan icon at the bottom of the touchscreen, whatever that means. If the car's battery reaches less than 20% charge... <laughs> that tells owner, us a lot about your car, Dr. Fleck. Yeah, well, I, okay. okay, mine's a little older. Owners will receive a notification on their mobile app, Tesla said. So that's great. Tesla warned customers to check for local rules regarding having pets unattended, though, like in Florida, in cars before using the feature. Uh, and I think that's a good point because I think you should know, A, nobody wants to leave a dog in a car because the cars get really hot really quickly. In Florida. All it, it, in Florida and other southern states, but it's always a good idea to know about leaving your pet in a car and what the rules are in your local community. Absolutely. Well, I, unfortunately, we've had so many good stories. I've got an unfortunate one. It seems that the Inspector General at the Department of Veterans Affairs has launched an investigation of fatal research experiments on dogs at the agency as lawmakers renew a push to stop the test. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I so much controversy at the VA. Well, anyway, VA Inspector General Michael Massal 
told lawmakers in a letter that he's reviewing whether VA officials continued the experiments in violation of laws passed last year placing restrictions on the testing. Mizell's investigation follows a USA Today watchdog report in November that revealed the VA was pushing forward with the controversial research despite the law in opposition from veterans and lawmakers. Now, following the report, five members of Congress asked Mizell to look into the experiments. So studies currently being conducted by VA researchers, and that's Veteran Affair researchers in Richmond and Cleveland, Ohio, involve surgeries on dogs' hearts and spines that the VA says could produce discoveries to help veterans suffering from cardiac, spinal cord, or breathing problems. But lawmakers contend that the experiments really haven't produced much breakthrough research for years, and options such as computer models should be used instead. VA officials said in a statement that experiments comply with the animal welfare regulations and have contributed to significant medical breakthroughs, including implantable cardiac pacemakers, Mm -hmm. and successful liver transplants. Mm -hmm. Most recently, they said VA dog research contributed to human clinical trials using electrodes to restore cough functions and people paralyzed by spinal cord injuries. Now, according to Michael Falong, chief veterinary officer, he said this important advancement would not have been possible using computer simulations, test tube techniques, organ on a chip, technology, or smaller animal species. He further went on to say the VA has very few canine active studies at this time, but some problems like this one can be addressed only with canine research, underscoring the importance of this kind of research in helping veterans who have been severely injured on the battlefield. Now, the medical experiments have touched off the heated debate among lawmakers, veterans, and VA officials in recent years after news reports revealed VA research in Richmond had botched surgeries on dogs. Obviously, there was a, you know, Mm-hmm. whistleblower involved in that. Mm-hmm. Additionally, the president's daughter-in-law, Laura Trump, she's very, very vocal about protecting animals. She's endorsing a push by lawmakers to end fatal research experiments on dogs at the Department of Veterans Affairs. We want to know what you think. Email or post a note to us on our social media channels at the Pet Buzz and tell us what you think about the VA doing research on animals. Here, here's a good example of Cornell University, College of Veterinary Medicine. They aren't using pets now, or they aren't using dogs for surgical experiment or surgical treatment for students. They have they actually now have models that act just like dogs. They're kind of like robots that that we can do surgery on, and and it's wow. it's yeah. great. Yeah. So so what what you're saying, Nate, is very important because why don't we move towards that generation? Yeah, move in that direction, yeah. You know, in our social, right now, socially, we're hearing about all kinds of new things uh, in our uh, life and leisure and, and government about new green laws, et cetera. You know what? It may not sound right, but at the same time, somebody's coming up with ideas that we're going to approach. And I'm not necessarily for all the new things that come up from new people. Thank God there's new people, though, because us old cruddies, we only got the old things. Let the new people come up with things and let's investigate them and see what's real. So we now know that in, in the veterinary school, we don't have to work on, on the pet. We can work on a robot. So these things can be accomplished and let's work towards it. On that note, we're going to take a commercial break and be back with our first guest, Audrey Harvey from Last Chance for Animals, talking about pet theft awareness. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You are 
are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and our buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. There are thousands of dogs and cats housed in shelters that need your help. Local shelter professionals and volunteers give their heart and soul to help unwanted animals and deserve your support. Americans give millions every year to national animal organizations. But unless you give to your local shelter, you can't be sure that money will make it to the pets that need it most. Adopt, volunteer, and give to your local animal shelter. To find your local shelter, go to humaneforpets.org. Thank you for joining us on the Pet Buzz this morning. This show is hosted by the Dynamic Pet Duo. I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. And we're once again with you talking pets. You know, in our daily lives, we take precautions to safeguard and protect our valuable possessions from being stolen. We lock our car doors, equip our homes with alarms, create passwords to shield our personal information. Yet few pet owners realize that protecting our dogs from potential theft is just as important. So joining us today is Audrey Harvey, Campaigns Manager for Last Chance for Animals, the creators of Pet Theft Awareness Day, which takes place each year on February 14th. So Audrey, good morning and welcome to the Pet Buzz. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Okay, so let's talk about statistics. What are the statistics for dogs stolen in the U.S.? So... Unfortunately, it's impossible to know the exact number of dogs that are stolen, um, and that's just because the vast majority of stolen dogs go unreported. You know, many times people assume they left the gate latch open and their dog ran off, or they just never get around to filing a police report. Um, previously, the estimation was about two million pets stolen per year. Wow! Um, and that, yeah, that figure included cats, um, and that was at the height of Class B dealers. Um, and then back in December of 2015, Congress defunded Class B dealer licenses, and that effectively put them out of business. So as of now, that number is a bit inflated. Um, but like I said, there's no like exact number. So, Audrey, what fuels the market for stolen dogs? Uh, there's, there's a huge market for stolen dogs, um, and money is by far the biggest motivator Thieves have realized they can make a pretty penny just by stealing a dog. Um, and these dog flippers, uh, that's what they're called, uh, they'll steal a dog and sell it either to an unsuspecting new buyer, to puppy mills, to backyard breeders, just to be turned into a breeding machine. Um, or they'll try and uh, return the dog to its rightful owners just to take home that reward money. Um, oh, and also, even though it's legal in all 50 states, dogs are also stolen um, and used as bait or as fighters in dog fighting rings. Ugh, uh, horrible. It's so sad, yeah. isn't it? My gosh. So what, what dogs are most at risk? Um, dogs that are most at risk of being stolen are the purebred dogs, especially toy breeds like a Maltese or a Chihuahua. Um, Yorkshire Terriers are the number one dog breed stolen in the U.S., um, and Pomeranians rank number two. 
a designer breed, like a Labradoodle or a Puggle. They're also common targets, and it's because they're expensive. You know, they're worth thousands of dollars. Wow. Um, I would like to mention this does not mean that a mutt is at risk of being taken. Regardless of pedigree, if you leave your dog unsupervised, you're running the risk of someone taking it. That's true. Well, if you've just joined us, we're talking with Audrey Harvey from Last Chance for Animals, discussing what fuels the market for stolen dogs. So where are dogs being stolen from? Um, Dogs are being snatched right off of front porches, right out of yards, out of parked cars, basically anywhere they're left unattended. They can be stolen at night, in broad daylight. Um, And it's sad. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've gone to my neighborhood grocery store and seen a dog just tied up outside while the owner ran in to buy groceries. Um, And it literally just takes a few seconds for someone to take your dog and walk away with it. You know, it's really interesting. A long time ago when I lived in New York, I remember I was walking between 35th and 36th Street. And I think I've told you this story, Dr. Fleck, but Nate's never heard it. And a van pulled up alongside a woman who was walking her dog. And uh, two guys jumped out and they tried to grab her dog in broad daylight right near the Midtown Tunnel on First Avenue as cars are going by. And I was walking around the corner and I I said, I got you, I got you. I held up my phone. I got you, I got you. I got the license plate and I got pictures of the guys. You better jump and run away. And they ran away. Thank goodness. Yeah. I mean, I think she had a Bichon. I didn't want to go so close to the van because it was ahead of me. But by my running around the corner and screaming, I think I deterred them because I didn't know if they were going to snatch the dog or and or snatch her with them. So at that point, one jumped in the van and they drove away. Wow. You know, so it's really scary. So I think people have to, especially in metropolitan cities, I think you have to be careful. You know, as a veterinarian, I really don't know how to answer this question either, but what do you do if your dog is stolen? What am I supposed to advise my my clients that have that happen? Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, uh, first and foremost, you need to call the police and file a report. This way, there will be an official record of the theft on file. The next thing you want to do is contact your local animal control, pet shelters, pounds, uh, and you can file a lost dog report with each of them just in case your dog is turned over to one of them. Uh, Another thing that you should do shortly after is to canvas your neighborhood and put up missing signs um, with an up-to-date photo and your contact information just in case someone in your neighborhood might have seen something You always want to be aware of scams, though, when putting up those missing flyers. Um, One of the main reasons pet thieves take dogs is for that reward money. So if someone calls you saying they found your dog, um, but they don't want to hand it over until you've sent them the money, that's probably a scam. And it's illegal. So it's called extortion. It's a criminal offense. um, And you can definitely call the police and report that as well if that occurs. So much great information, right, Dr. Fleck? Absolutely. Okay, so what can dog owners do to prevent their dogs from being stolen? I would say don't tie it up in front of the grocery (laughs) store. Right, Audrey? Uh, You said that earlier. Yes, Um, and like you said also, uh, even precautions around your house, like cameras or an alarm, uh, you want to protect, you know, your TV and all of your stuff inside of your home, but also your pets. Um, so also, like you said, never leave your pet unattended if you're at work. Keep your dog indoors. Don't leave your dog outside. Always keep an eye on it. Um, and then I see this a lot here. Uh, people just keep their dogs off of leashes. Um, and 
like your story, if the woman walking down the street didn't have her dog on a leash, if someone drives up, they could just hop out of the car and take the dog. Um, so keep your dogs on a leash. You also want to make sure your dog has proper ID with a collar tag, a microchip, um, and that you have proof of ownership. Um, and lastly, always be aware of your surroundings. If you notice a surge of missing dogs in your area, this could be evidence of a pet theft ring. So alert your local law enforcement and animal control. Those are great. Those are, that's great. Yeah. Great advice. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm sure there's, there's different penalties for different states for the criminals who steal dogs. But what are some of those penalties? Yep. So sadly, dogs, um, they're just considered personal property. So the vast majority of states do not have specific pet theft laws. So the legal punishments uh, for that crime, they vary widely by state. Because of that, most pet thefts are considered violations of a state's general theft and larceny laws. Um, so they generally result in misdemeanor charges. Some states may base the penalty off of the value of the dog. Uh, there are a select few states that have more rigorous pet theft laws. For instance, if you're in Virginia, it's considered a felony. You could be convicted of up to 10 years uh, behind bars, regardless of how much the dog is worth. So it really just depends what state you live in. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, you know, the emotions from the children of a pet that's been stolen from just us, the adults, talking about them just being property for that. Well, now they're saying it's a really good idea to have cameras in your car and your house because the cameras are not only going to protect your possessions, but thieves are now going into your house, stealing your stuff and then stealing your dog. Yeah. So it's always a good idea just to have, if you can't afford it, buy a camera. Well, the, the pain of the family if a yeah. dog is stolen is just unbearable. Well, Audrey, thank you for joining us today. Can you please give us your organization's website? Yes, of course. It's lcanimal.org. And for more info about pet theft, visit stolenpets.com. Great. That was Last Chance for Animals, Audrey Harvey, talking about how to protect our pets from thieves. February is Healthy Heart Month. Up next, we're talking to a veterinary cardiologist. Warmer temperatures mean more time outside. You have sunscreen for yourself, but what about Fido? According to the American Animal Hospital Association and the American College of Veterinary Dermatology, pets need sunscreen too. Use EpiPet Sun Protector, the only FDA-approved pet sunscreen on short-haired, light-colored, hairless, golden retrievers, and other dogs susceptible to skin cancer. Contained in a sports bottle, EpiPet allows you to turn the bottle upside down, making it easier to spray your dog all over to protect your dog from the sun all day and every day. Visit epi-pet.com. So I'm a cat, and I just moved in with this new human, and she's got this little toy she's always playing with, all day long. Tap, 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 bloop, bloop. She can't put it down. There it is. Oh, and get this. She even talks to it. Last week, she asked it for Chinese, and guess what? Egg rolls showed up, like magic. Humans have cool toys. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the shelterpetproject.org. Thank you for joining us on the Pet Buzz this morning. This show is hosted by the dynamic pet duo. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. And we enjoy being with you each week talking pets. It's February and colorful decorative hearts have been everywhere for Valentine's Day. Moreover, February is also American Heart Month. Although heart disease is a leading cause of death in people, it's important to note that animals suffer from heart-healthy problems, too. The good thing is, the more you know, the more you can help your pet have a healthy, 
heart life. Here are a few heart healthy facts and tips to put to work for our companion animals. So joining us today is veterinarian cardiologist, Dr. Rebecca Steppen from the University of Wisconsin School of Veterinary Medicine, providing us with a few heart health facts and tips to keep our companion animals heart healthy. Dr. Steppen, good morning and welcome to the Pet Buzz. Well, good morning to both of you and to your audience. It's a pleasure to be here. That's wonderful. So is heart disease in dogs as common as heart disease in people? Um, No, it's not quite as common as heart disease in people, and dogs tend to get different types of diseases. In people, coronary heart disease is a big problem. That's the type that's associated with heart attacks, and that type of disease doesn't happen in dogs. And in general, heart disease is less common in the dog population. You were talking um, statistics at our pre-interview. I think you said something that were like 10% of dogs suffer from heart disease. Is that true? Approximately 10%, yes, of all the dogs in the population in the U.S. will have some version of heart disease, although not all will have signs of the disease that the owner can detect. Okay, so what are some of the most common causes of heart disease in our canines? Well, the most common cause is valvular disease, which is an aging change of the heart valves that causes them to leak. That's about three quarters of the population that's affected with heart disease will have valvular disease. Wow. Other important diseases are heartworm disease, which is transmitted by mosquitoes and can be a real problem in warmer parts of the country. And also diseases of the heart muscle, which are less common than valvular disease, but are a problem in larger breeds of dogs. Well, I'm sure our general audience would like to hear about what, what are the signs of heart disease? Well, there's a, a many types of signs of heart disease in dogs, and many dogs don't have clinical signs or outward signs of heart disease uh, for several years, even though they have the disease. But eventually, they may develop congestive heart failure, and what that is is a complication of heart disease uh, in which the body is retaining water, and they can retain water within the lungs, that's called pulmonary edema, or within the body cavities. So the owner might notice abdominal swelling due to fluid accumulation in the abdomen, that's called ascites, or they may may, uh, notice that the animal's having trouble breathing and there's free fluid in the chest, and that would be called pleural effusion. So overall, what owners need to watch for are general things like changes in the dog's ability to exercise and also unexplained weight loss. But then if the animal develops abdominal swelling or difficulty breathing, then they should take that dog to the veterinarian and have them looked at um, for the development of heart failure. Very interesting. For some reason, I thought coughing and wheezing were kind of signs of heart disease. Does that ever well, happen? They can with- be. They can be signs of heart disease. Um, coughing in general is often a sign that the heart is enlarged, but not that there's fluid in the lungs. But when the animal is coughing and having difficulty breathing at the same time, that may mean that congestive heart failure is present, and that's a bit more urgent and a bit of an emergency. Well, that's good to know. I'm glad she clarified that, right, Dr. Fleck? Absolutely. Well, if you've just joined us, we're talking with Dr. Rebecca Steppen about heart disease in our dogs. So how do you know if your dog has heart disease? I mean, what kind of procedures would you go through? Well, many times uh, the owner will first hear that their dog has heart disease when a veterinarian examines them on a normal wellness exam and detects an abnormality in their heart sounds, most often a heart murmur, or an irregular heart rhythm which they might detect by, with a stethoscope or even by feeling the pulse. So when either of those things are present, the veterinarian may suspect that the dog has heart disease, 
and then might order up some diagnostic tests to find out more about what the disease is and how severe it is. So I'm a pet owner. What can I do if your dog, my dog develops heart failure? Well, heart failure is a very treatable disease, typically with medications. And many dogs, even when they have developed congestive heart failure, will do well with medications for a couple of years afterwards. Heart disease is something that more commonly affects an older population. So adding a couple of years of good quality of life in an older dog with heart failure is really a very um, good outcome for us. Okay, so what can you do to prevent a heart disease? I mean, is it kind of like with humans with diet and exercise? And you Yeah, know- that's a great question. Um, it is, it's different from humans because humans are so affected by things like obesity and cholesterol levels in a history of smoking. None of that is a player in dogs, typically. And so what we, there aren't a lot of lifestyle changes that can change a dog's uh, risk of heart failure. Certainly, if you live in the South, um, prevention for heartworm disease is really important. And that's really true across the country at this point. But as far as the rest of it goes to get your dog best set up to deal with any heart disease that may come along. The best thing is to keep them at a good weight, so not too heavy, and to keep them exercising well, so they're fit and in good condition, and that will help them deal with any problems that they might uh, have as they get a little bit older. You know, Dr. Rebecca, I just came back from the Westminster Kennel Club, and um, it was very exciting, but I know a lot of people, when I was at Meet the Breeds and on the floor of the show during the day and also at night, were talking about, you know, looking for that next great new dog to add to their family. So could you give us an idea of what breeds are associated or affiliated with having heart disease? Well, almost any breed can get heart disease, unfortunately. Um, when you have heart disease that, that dogs are born with, that's called congenital heart disease. It might be a hole in their heart or something similar. There are certain diseases that are more common in certain breeds. For instance, for congenital heart disease, you might get a hole in the heart, which might be more common in a Kisund or something like that. Um, those purebred dogs are at higher risk. So if you have a mongrel dog or a mixed breed dog that you adopted, uh, they're a little bit less likely to get congenital heart disease or to have congenital heart disease than purebred dogs. When we're talking about diseases that are uh, common in older dogs, small breed dogs tend to get valvular disease as they get older. And very many dogs will have valvular disease but never have a problem with it. They'll just go ahead and age with their valvular disease and not have trouble. But it certainly affects small breed dogs more than it does large breed dogs. The large breed dogs tend to get heart muscle disease, and there are some breeds of dogs that are more commonly affected. The most common one that is uh, uh, quite well known for this is a Doberman Pinscher, who tends to develop dilated cardiomyopathy, and that is a breed-related problem. Incredibly helpful information. Well, Dr. Steppen, you know there's been some, maybe some new controversy about grain-free versus regular non-grain-free food. Uh, feeding with pets early in life, throughout life, and maybe having an effect on the heart. Uh, Would you like to comment on that? Sure, I'd be happy to. This is a a relatively recent problem, really been talked about in about the past year, and it's the association of certain types of diets, which the nutritionists have labeled labeled BEG diets, B-E-G, and those are diets that are boutique, meaning they're small manufacturers, they're, they have exotic ingredients um, that might be a, a different sort of meat like kangaroo or various other types of ingredients, and grain-free is the G. So these big diets have been associated with the development of heart muscle 
disease and dysfunction, and that's been noticed over the past couple of years. It's unclear at this point what exactly is the problem uh, with those particular diets, but one thing that we know uh, for sure is that if dogs who have a heart disease or a heart-related problem related and they're eating this big diet, changing them off the diet can be very, very helpful and their heart can improve, their heart function can improve once they're on a different diet. So our recommendation in general is to feed dogs a diet from a major national manufacturer. And the reason for that is because those diets have undergone a lot of research and they're very well studied and are known to be providing a safe diet for the long term in your dog's heart. That is so great. Thank you for that information. So, Dr. Steppen, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. But before you leave, could you give us your website where we all can learn more about heart disease and our dogs? So the, the web address for the um, University of Wisconsin is you can Google University of Wisconsin School of Veterinary Medicine, and it'll take you right there. Um, and for the Tufts website, it's vetmed.tufts.edu slash heartsmart. And I highly recommend that particular website. Great. Thank you so much. That was Dr. Rebecca Steppen from the University of Wisconsin School of Veterinary Medicine discussing how animals can suffer from heart ailments too. We're going to take a commercial break and be back with more Pet Buzz. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use the Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? EpiPet to the rescue. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, visit epi-pet.com. I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Here at the Pet Buzz, we are urban, suburban, and country. country. Never gets old. I love saying that. I know. On February 20th, pet lovers everywhere observe National Love Your Pet Day. This holiday is a day set aside to give your pet some extra attention. Try giving them a little pampering love. This is a good day to focus on the special relationship that you have with your pets. So I'm going to ask you, Dr. Fleck, okay. what are the most popular pets in America? Dogs, 40%. Okay. Cats. Ooh, and I'm getting statistics too. Yes. Ooh, I like that. Well, that's what you asked for. Okay. Okay. Cats, 20%. Fish, 8%. Birds, 4%. And rodents, 2%. Wow. Rodents, so, 2%. No so, snakes? I didn't, no, I didn't say anything <laughs> Dr. about Dr. Fleck doesn't like no, snakes. No, 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 okay. No, no, no. So what are the top reasons that Americans are grateful for their pets? Well, you know, I would think that the first one would be that my pet or my pets love me unconditionally. Absolutely. Your pets love you unconditionally. Yeah, I would think so too. And that pets also help and comfort you when you're sick or when you're sad. 
And also the other thing is, you know, after a hard day at the office, it's always nice to go home and see your pet because mm -hmm. he's not judging you. He's going to make it all better. You're going to mm -hmm. look at him and you're going to see his smiling face and his mm -hmm. tail wagging. Mm -hmm. And your pet helps you become a more loving person. Mm -hmm. I think I've seen some star transformations, mm -hmm. including Star Jones, who didn't like pets. And then she got one mm -hmm. and she just loves her little pinky Michelle to death. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think and some people, people think that pets uh, help them be more patient. Mm -hmm. When we look at our politicians and voting them in. We always look to see what their thoughts are. And if they have pets. That. Remember that? We interviewed yes, we Jason Horowitz mm -hmm. from the New York Times, and he talked mm -hmm. about that. Okay, so let's find out how people show affection for their pets. What stats do you have for me, doctor? Okay, here we go. I play with my pet. 15%. Wow, Nate, do you play with your pet? Yeah, I have to. Okay, see? yeah. <laughs> He's in the 15 percenter. Okay, I give my pet treats and gifts. That's me. 13%. That seems low, but that's okay. Well, I do that too. Okay. Okay. I cuddle with my pet. You do. You cuddle with all the pets. No, a pets cuddle with me. I don't that's cuddle true. with them. You know, that's not true. When you're sitting there giving them cheese, cheese its cheese doodles, you're hanging out, you're cuddling them. Okay. Okay. I tell my pet, I love you. Hmm. That's not you. That's 12 me. 12% of the time. I think girls do that more than guys. Yeah. I hang out with my pet. That's definitely you. Yeah. Like you'll go to the store and he'll take the pet with him. So if you've just joined us, we're talking about National Love Your Pet Day. Tell me a few insights about pets and their parents. So I always like this one. So 12% of Americans let their pets sleep in bed with them. That's definitely true in our house. 12%? I, I think was, that's low. I thought it was like 60%. I thought that was really low, too. I think too. 60% is it. Okay. That. And 10% of Americans talk to their pet in a special voice. That's definitely me. Definitely you. Okay. I've got different voices. Is mm -hmm. that? Do you do that? Yeah, sometimes. I, I think that seems you low. You do? That seems low to me. Ugh. Well, I mean, not like cutesy so Like, how do you do it? Give us a just, sampling. Yeah, you look like a, a cutesy sort of guy. Oh, I, I, no, I like, come on. Give us, a sam give, give us a sampling. I don't know. You know, it's kind of the same way I talk to my son because he's literally three years old, too. <laughs> right. So I'm just like, hey, man, what you doing? What you doing? Like, I kind of talk to him differently than I talk I to can, normal people, you okay, know? Okay, I like that. Yeah, I, I <laughs> go know? along with and that. And I'm like, Ty! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go along with that. That's good. Okay. So 10% of Americans consider their pet to be their best friend. Just 10? <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot of single ladies out there, right? There's a lot of well, and and guys, because I've heard people tell me that pets are best friend. Okay, 9% of Americans let their pet eat table scraps. Remember listening to country western songs? Does the does the male vocalist what does he talk about the most? Well, his, Bla his Bla dog. Actually, Blake Get Sheldon. Get rid of his woman. But Blake Sheldon talked about the dog. You know, you name the kids and I'll name the dog. So that's kind of true. She shot my dog? Uh-oh, not no, that good. That was like old country. Oh, that was old this country. Old country. Oh, okay. So let's talk about how you can celebrate. Okay. What national Love Your Pet Day activities can you do to celebrate? So let's show your pet something new. Just like us, our pets love seeing new places. New smells. New, new smells. New looks. Okay. Has your dog ever been to the beach? No. If not, consider taking a road trip to celebrate National Love Your Pet Day. Change up the location of your fishbowl. Maybe do that. I don't know. That doesn't sound like such a great thing. What if it's too cold in the new location? Well, we haven't got a fishbowl. Okay. Okay. So take your guinea pig on a tour of the house. Yeah. I, <laughs> Where did I, this gun come we from? Don't have, we don't have a guinea pig. Okay. Got that too. How about take your chameleon on a field trip? To the porch to feel the breeze. And 
Where did all this come from? I don't know. This came from oh today. Oh, my gosh. Okay. This came from today. Right. Okay. So let's talk about spoiling your pet. Okay. So let's face it. Spoiling our pets is a lot of fun. So just do it. I mean, birthdays come once a year, but that doesn't mean you can't celebrate more special days with your pet. So celebrate National Pet Day by bringing home a new treats and some new toys. Yep. And you don't have to spend a lot of money. You can go to Walmart. They've got new toys all the time. Yep. You know, you can whip up a beloved meal. Like maybe we could cook up some steak, Dr. Flack, mm. put it over the kibble. Or you could just spend some quality time with your pet. You know, oh, and here is one suggestion. Okay. Pet-themed movies. Hmm. And, you know, there's that special movie theater in Dallas you can bring, or Austin, I can't remember, that you can bring your pet to. I think we should have him on the show hmm. to have a little movie. Okay. 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 And then what do you got? What else you got well, for me? Except, you know, our dogs didn't want to watch a Westminster dog show the other night. They've seen it a million times. They've seen it. Okay. Now it's time to talk about adopting a pet. Okay. Well, that's a good thing. You could have your own pet for Love Your Pet Day. That really would be the ultimate way to celebrate Love Your Pet Day. To get a pet of your own to love. If you don't have one, get one. Okay. If it's within your means, consider adopting a pet that needs a home. Yeah, and if you can afford it, get an older You're pet. You're going to benefit more than the pet is. Let me Absolutely. tell you. Explore local organizations that rescue and rehome animals in your area. So get to your area first. What? Well, you know, a lot of people, like we live in Bradenton, Sarasota, right? Right. Okay. A lot of people go to Miami to get them and bring them back. We, oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Go yeah. here locally first before go you local. go elsewhere. Go local. Yeah, okay. go local. Yeah. Help out your local area. I know that if you do this, it's going to change your life in ways that you really never expected. I think that's a great way to leave the segment on that note. Okay. So we're going to take a commercial break. We'll be right back talking about presidential pets. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. To order better pet health for your dog or cat, visit www.epi-pet.com. So I'm a cat, and I just moved in with this new human, and she's got this little toy she's always playing with, all day long. Tap, 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 bloop, bloop. She can't put it down. There it is. Oh, and get this. She even talks to it. Last week, she asked it for Chinese, and guess what? Egg rolls showed up, like magic. Humans have cool toys. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the shelterpetproject.org. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. We enjoy being with you each week. You know, February 18th is President's Day. And to celebrate past presidents, we want to talk about their pets. So joining us today is author and White House expert Jennifer Pickens. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us today. Glad to be here. So you are the author of Presidential Pets. What inspired you to write a book about presidential pets? Well, I had written another book earlier called um, Christmas at the White House. And one of the great things first families have done over um, the recent decades is use their pets sort of as a tool to invite people into the White House. 
and just seeing all these wonderful images, especially of Barney and Miss Beasley during the holidays, really inspired me to start doing more research and learning about all the fun different first um, pets that have lived at the White House. Barney and Miss Beasley actually starred in 10 different films during the Bush years. Wow. Now, they were um, President George W.'s pets, correct? Correct. Okay. And I believe Barney bit a reporter. He did once. Okay, that was his claim <laughs> to fame. He was very loved by um, the White House staff and people that knew him, but he was a little bit of a watchdog. But um, Roland Mesnier, the White House um, chef, would also tell you Barney was so much fun. And especially when he would be walking around the White House, Barney would recognize the chef and his black shoes and go through all the people and the tourists as fast as he could to get to the chef to lick his um feet clean to get all the powdered sugar off. So I'm not sure. There might have been a reporter in the way of the powdered sugar. (laughs) How funny is that? Well, tell us about some of your favorite White House pets. Well, there is no greater champion of White House pets, for sure, than the famed Millie Bush. That is Barbara Bush and George H.W. Bush's beloved Springer Spaniel. Mm -hmm. She just was a wonderful pet. Again, Chef Mesnier, who loved to talk about the pets, will tell you she was the only truly presidential dog. She was presidential to the core. She would perfectly walk behind Barbara Bush. She would never bark and would sit beside her, sometimes even during state events. You can see these wonderful evenings out in the Rose Garden, and Millie would be sitting perfectly behind um, First Lady Barbara Bush. She, of course, had puppies at the White House that everybody loved. There were countdowns and papers across America waiting for these puppies to be born. And one of the neatest little trivias of White House history is one of Millie's puppies was a Um, Springer named Spot, and she went to come live in Texas with George W. Bush. Mm -hmm. And so when he became president, Spot is the only dog to live at the White House under two different administrations. Wow. How about that? That's presidential. (laughs) It is. And it's especially fun when you think about the White House, a lot of people forget or just you know, just you think about the first families that live there, but there's also another family that lives there, and it's the executive resident staff. It's the plumbers, the electricians, the ushers, the chefs, and they live there for decades. Oftentimes, someone will, it's not unusual to have a 50-year career at the White House. And so for them to have Spot come back, it was really neat. They said it, they oftentimes will think of these presidential pets as their own. And it was a very touching moment when um, Spot became very old and they knew they were going to have to put her down. She was not well. The president sent out a message, and they took her out in the Rose Garden, and everybody got to go tell her goodbye before she was put to sleep. Oh, how touching. And the, the staff will you know, sometimes tear up telling those stories. Well, if you've just joined us, we're speaking with author Jennifer Pickens about pets in the White House. Now, I have to, and I have to ask you, because Washington is so full of scandal these days, were there any pets involved in political scandals? There really wasn't one ever involved in a scandal. Um, I will tell you, Betty, the wonderful Labrador for President Clinton, did almost take out a gingerbread house once, which I think at the holidays, sort of one of the highlights is the unveiling of the great gingerbread house. Every year it's made a little bit different. And there was a little incident one time when the gingerbread house was being brought up to the state floor to be taken to the table in the state dining room it's always placed. And I think this wonderful Labrador got a quick sniff of the gingerbread and made a beeline for it. But that's about it. What about Checkers Nixon? That wasn't a presidential pet. Checkers never actually lived in the White House. And it was the Touché, first time. Touche, my pres- girl. Touche. She knows <laughs> her presidential pets. That's right. She's probably, it's one of the most famous pets of a politician, but she did not live at the White House. 
They had other pets that were very famous at the Nixon administration. It was actually one of the most requested photos was of President Nixon's dog posed perfectly um, in front of the White House. But Checkers was not one of them. Now, I know there were some pets like Fido. That was Abraham Lincoln's dog who didn't adjust. But there have been so many crazy pets. I mean, I, I recently heard about, was it Rebecca the raccoon or was it Florence the raccoon? There's Rebecca the raccoon. The Uh. Coolidge's did have. They are probably one of the most between the. It would be a toss up between the Roosevelts and the Coolidge's as to who had the most pets while at the White House. But the Coolidge's were very famous, and Rebecca the raccoon actually helped host the Easter egg roll once. There was two of them, and you would often see Mrs. Coolidge walking around the White House lawn with Rebecca on a leash. Unbelievable. Oh, I was going to say, I guess there was maybe a little bit of a scandal, but not truly. President Truman did send his dog back after about a week or two. He re-gifted it to his personal physician. So that could have been somewhat scandalous. But <laughs> And then we have, of course, we had him and her, that fa- that iconic shot of them being held yes. up by their ears. That wouldn't fly yes. today, I don't think. The two beagles. <laughs> it wouldn't. But when you do talk to people of the... Um, Johnson administration, they will tell you LBJ probably was one of the greatest pet lovers of all times. He loved to have those dogs and had them everywhere with him. And so it was a little unfortunate what happened when he held them up for the press. I don't think he was intending to hurt them. And then he, of course, became so famous when his daughter was driving home from the Texas ranch at a gas station. She found a lost dog that nobody would claim that they named Yuki. And the president became so attached to Yuki that you would um, never see him without it. She eventually gave it to him. And they would often be caught yodeling together in the Oval Office. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, it's so funny because they say most people who are sane really do talk to their pets. So why not talk and why not yodel? But you know what's really interesting? I just thought of somebody. What about Fala? And did he get left somewhere and they sent like a, a ship back for him? Yeah. There was controversy, yes, about Fala. And the most interesting thing about Fala was that she really became a security concern for for the Secret Service. Uh, the dog was so iconic as part of FDR's image that truly they considered her a security risk because if people would think they saw the dog on a train or something, they would know the president was on it. And so I think uh. it's um, neat that part of his monument includes a replica, of course, of Fala. Yeah, there's so many great pictures of Fala, the Scottish Terrier. I mean, so Absolutely. iconic with President Roosevelt. I mean, one of and one of I, the White yeah. House greatest dogs ever. And then I, of course, love with all of the talk these days about Russia that um, the Kennedys were given a famous pet from um, Russia as a gift. They were given a puppy, and um, before she could come live at the White House, the Secret Service sent her to Walter Reed to go through a battery of tests to rule out any hidden listening devices, microphones, germs, or bombs before she became um, a famous pet. She was named Pushnika, and she was the puppy of the famous dog Strelka, which was one of the first ones to go through space. Wow. I mean, you know so much. It's great talking to you. So I'm (laughs) going to ask you the question that everybody asked, and I heard the the Hill recently asked you this question. Now, I have to tell you, we did have our friend Lois Pope on the show, because Lois was hell-bent on giving a little poodle named Patton to Donald Trump because they're very good friends. Do you think, and I know when we had Senator Bob Dole on the show, he said that Trump should get a big dog when he won the ASPCA presidential award. Do you ever think the Trumps are going to get a dog? 
You know, they might. It's up to them. They are New Yorkers. I will say lots of times New Yorkers are famous for not always having pets. So, um, But it's not unpresidential not to. The Reagans did not have a pet their entire first four years um, at the White House, living at the White House. There was mm-hmm. one at the ranch. So it's not unpresidential not to. So I guess we're going to have to wait and see. I guess we'll have to wait and see. And like, uh, I think I'm going to leave it with Senator Dole. Maybe he'll get a big dog. Absolutely. And what's that other famous quote? If you want a friend, get a dog. If you have, if you yeah, want a friend absolutely. in Washington, get a friend. If you want a friend in Washington, Washington get, a dog. get a dog. So we're going to leave it at that. Um, but I will tell you this, everyone. I do have, I know Trump likes dogs because a few years ago I was in his office with the one of the Westminster Kennel Club dogs. It was a Scottish deerhound named Hickory. So I do have that picture and I'm going to put it up. On that note, Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us today. But before you leave, can you tell us where we can get the book? Because this sounds like a great present. Thank you. Absolutely. Amazon has it for sure. Um, And many of the presidential libraries, you could always call the Ronald Reagan Library or the White House Historical Association. Great. And it's Pets at the White House. And then on the blog, you can get it at petsatthewhitehouse.com or jenniferpickens.com. And every Wednesday, we have a fun story posted oftentimes about past presidential pets. Um, So please check it out. Great. Thank you so much for joining us today. Have a good one. Know what? Since I got adopted, I've learned a lot about these humans. Uh, I know. I mean, check out these two. It's Flirt City over here. Yeah, I noticed that. It looks like my human is definitely into your human. Oh, look. I think she's getting his number. Nice. Your human's got some sweet moves. Takes after his dog. (laughs) Oh, look, they're doing that thing where they put their arms around each other. She kicked up a leg. It's like in the movies. That's awesome. Looks like we're going to be hanging out a little bit more. I'm back, and you're listening to the Pet Buzz with petronologist Charlotte Reed. And veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Did you hear that? What? That's the signal to wrap up the show. Oh. Next week, we're going to talk about Gabriel Ringel, about his Westminster Kennel Club win, and National Justice Week for Animals. And feline health. Good. And we can't forget to thank our guests. So thank our guests, Dr. Flack. Special thanks to our guest, Audrey Harvey, Dr. Rebecca Steppen, and Jennifer Pickens. And we always must thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin, coat, and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. And if you have a question, write us at teamatthepetbuzz.com. We will cover it on next week's show. And of course, just so you know, you can follow along on our social media channels as the show airs. We post our thoughts, our notes, pictures of us in the studio so you can have a thoroughly enjoyable experience as you listen to the show. And if you've missed any portion of this show, visit our social media channels and listen to the linked podcast on Monday morning. And most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. 
The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. Tune in each week for the latest 411 on everything pet related. Visit our website at www.thepetbuzz.com. Learn more about us, the show, and our guests. The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program.